Yo, 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 what is going on, you guys? This is your host, Brandon, and... And this is Blake. Welcome to <laughs> your favorite video game internet radio show where we talk about the games we love, and we just have a blast, so uh, yeah. stay tuned, and <laughs> grab a beverage, or as we say in New York, a bev, and... Grab a bev. Enjoy. Wow. Dude, what are you drinking on? I just had a glass of wine myself. I just had a mango shake right now. I'm not drinking anything specifically. <laughs> That's like two two opposite ends of the spectrum. We got a mango shake and a, and a wine. It's just like a sugar <laughs> spike. The wine is just like chilling you out. Uh, I should have got a LaCroix. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> oh my gosh, Brandon. Okay. So it's been, it's been like, I mean, we do our show every other week. It's been two weeks since I've talked to you about Starfield. It has been two weeks. How, how are you doing? Are you still playing? How are things going? I have not been playing Starfield, honestly. Damn. You know, between the Minecraft realm and just work stuff, work and catching up with this job search, which is another full-time job, I have not had time for Starfield as much as I want to play it. Which is alright. You know, I feel like Starfield isn't going anywhere. It's saved into my Xbox, so I don't even need Wi-Fi to play it. So I can play Wait, that. You need Wi-Fi to play it? No, I, I'm saying I, I don't need Wi-Fi to play it because it's saved oh, it into gotcha. my hard drive. So I can just gotcha. play it at any time. Nice. Which is nice. Yeah, I look forward to exploring some more. I'm sorry I don't have any more Starfield content. Oh, dude. All good, man. We have so much. I've been streaming my whole playthrough so far. So I started out as Blake Staghorn, and I'm on Mars, Brandon. I'm on freaking Mars. Wow. How did you find your way there? It's like part of the main quest, like right in the beginning, you find your way to Mars. You talk to Constellation. It is so awesome, man. Like I'm having so much fun with it. I am bumping up against to it or up against the game a little bit in some instances, I don't think it always puts its best foot forward, but I think it's a great game so far, and I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. I guess if you're following along or if you've watched any of our streams, they're on our YouTube. I've actually been streaming to YouTube, and it's been working great. It's funny, though, because the last stream that I did, I've been titling them like log entries, and my Steam Deck, my Steam Deck can run Starfield fine. But when I turn the Steam Deck into a computer and I kind of like make it out into like two monitors and I've got like one screen is running OBS, I'm like recording it and the other screen is like playing Starfield, it just crashes constantly. So Yeah, it's just too much. Log entry for, yeah, it's too much. It's too much for the Steam yeah, Deck. Yeah, but the Steam Deck gets very hot when you're doing that. It does. I can hear the fan. I checked it. The fan doesn't pick up on the mic, but it is is pretty loud and it just like crashes new atlantis the city of new atlantis like don't even try it i had like a curse stream just trying to leave the city it crashed on me three times and i had to like restart the stream three times <laughs> Damn, you're trapped in new atlantis i know and i picked raised like a free star collective or, or like i'm a free star collective settler so I feel like I've got this, like, I'm role-playing, like, and I really don't like the UC, so I keep calling them those UC bastards. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get out of the United Colonies, man. And I actually, just because I've, I had such a bad time, like, in the city, like, the game really makes you go to the city first, and, like, the city really struggles to run on the Steam Deck. But when you're out in the world, like, when you're in space or when you're on another planet, like, 
the Steam Deck does just fine. And I was on Mars and I like, there's like lower gravity on Mars. So I was like running and I like did this jump and I noticed there was like some industrial equipment in the background and I was like, I'm gonna try photo mode out. Like I'm just gonna give it a try. And this is, I guess this is all on stream on our YouTube if you wanna check it out. But I like hopped into photo mode and I was like in the air and Sarah Morgan's following me and she's also in the air. You can like change your character in photo mode to like do a pose. Yeah. So I was like doing a pose in the air and I like took a really epic photo of myself and I just thought it was really cool. So the photo mode is awesome. I'm really excited to keep exploring. You should it. post that on the, uh, just send that to me so I can post it on the Sticky Buns Pod Instagram. I should. I don't know how to get it off my Steam Deck though. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. That's awesome though. So you're a Freestar Collective, not. Yeah. So the three traits that I picked, I picked, I wanted to be Freestar Collective. When I played the game, I kind of had like a, a save file that I, I played like a little bit as Aaron and then I, I started a new one as myself. And it was, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny because I like I just kind of got this like gut feeling where it's like, I don't know if I really like the UC. I don't know if I really trust them. I mean, there's it's very similar to our world in a lot of respects. Like they have like a bank, they've got lots of institutions and like the city is very clean and it's like extremely sterile. And I feel like there's got to be more to it. And I just like, there's like the gut feeling is like, I don't trust the UC. So I was like, I'm going to do Freestar Collective. I haven't encountered anybody from the Freestar Collective, so they could be worse. I don't know. <laughs> but I just decided I wanted to do that for one of my traits. And then I also, after talking to you, I was like, I want to be wanted. Like, I want to be wanted. Because I think, I don't know if you ended up picking that, but I was like, I want to be wanted. So nobody's attacked me yet. Dude, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> It hasn't come up yet, so we'll just see what happens. You know what it's happens. like to en- try to enter a new planet and then somebody tries to stop you and press you for credits, dude. It's not fun. Yeah, I got my persuasion skill points. I'm good. Okay, then that actually helps because you can negotiate out of those situations. I think those negotiation sequences are really fun. And they definitely remind me of Skyrim. It's really, they're interesting. Have you figured out what they're like, what you're supposed to do? Because it's not intuitive, and it took me a little bit to, like, figure it out. Honestly, I tried not... Like, I think how I would think in real life as far as, Mm -hmm. like, negotiating. I try not to say what's the most, like, obvious thing. Like, obviously, you want something, right? Like, you want something from this person. But you can't just outright first input say, this is what I want. kind of have to dance around Mm -hmm. it. And that's what I've tried to do, and that's worked for me. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I thought it was kind of random. Like, I thought you kind of had to just, like, play the scenario how you would, like, play it out in real life. And I passed one doing that exact same thing. But I guess it's actually, like, very simple and, like, there's strict rules to it. So at the bottom, when you're in, like, the skill tree when you're trying to persuade somebody, at the bottom left, there's, like, a bar. And it has, like, ticks to it. So, like, the last one, for example, it had four ticks. So it had four spaces. And then right next to that, there's like a turn order, kind of. And it says how many turns you have left to try and convince them in dialogue. And then next to each dialogue option, it'll say plus one or plus three or plus four. So I think what you have to do, I don't know if you have to get to like fill up those, like, so example, mine was four. I don't know if you have to fill up those four ticks 
prior to the end of the conversation or if you have to do it on the last turn of the conversation. But you have to like fill up those four tick bars at the bottom or whatever the number is. Yeah. For example, like I did one dialogue option. It was like plus two and it gave me like two ticks in the bottom. And I was like, okay, so I better hit the plus two. I bet it'll give me that. Like it'll successfully persuade them. But I had actually, when I played it initially, I failed that persuasion because it was like a dialogue option I was doing over again. And I had like failed that the first time. And I actually really liked the outcome of having failed it. So I failed it on purpose. But I think that's how you do it. Very interesting. Yeah, it just kind of like, it's like a math to like just fill up the bar. Yeah. I did notice that on a negotiating, you have your turns and then you have the bar. I didn't really notice the ticks part of it. Yeah, it's kind of hidden. How do you feel about Starfield's UI? Yeah, I think you hit the nail in the head earlier when you said they don't really put their best foot forward in certain mm-hmm. aspects. And I definitely see that with certain things, like, for example, the UI on the spaceship. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were so many ways they could have gone with that. And while I do appreciate its simplicity, I still feel like there were so many ways, so many different avenues they could have gone with that. Yeah. On that, man, it's actually funny. In the, like, at least the weeks following Starfield's release, there's like an industry podcast that's called like the Game Maker's Toolkit. And I think it was one of the heads at Insomniac, and he was interviewing Todd Howard. So it's kind of like an industry podcast, and a lot of times the hosts are from the industry, and they'll interview somebody else in the industry. So it was like somebody from Insomniac who made, I guess if you're unfamiliar, like the Spider-Man games recently. Yeah. And they were interviewing Todd Howard, and... He had said that there were, when they were designing it, they purposefully didn't make tutorials and they purposely didn't make things as intuitive or they, like, they were like, just let the player do it. Like, just let the player go. And he said that one of the rationale behind that was, like, a player is not going to be playing this in a vacuum. The internet exists and there are so many people that make guides and, like, the best how to start your character and like 10 tips and tricks you need to know before starting Starfield. So many people make those kind of videos that they kind of said that they on purpose kind of made, they just let you jump in. And I think that that's kind of interesting. I don't know if it works necessarily, but it's interesting that it's intentional. Yeah, I do agree. I think it is definitely not a conventional move to intentionally, Mm -hmm. you know, not, I want to say misguide your players, but well, not not hold hands. Just throw them into the mix, into the space, so to say. Yeah, I guess absolutely. that adds to the appeal of the adventure, because you never you never quite know what you're gonna get or where you're gonna end up, and that's a fun uh, dynamic of the game that I'm sure you're encountering now, on your second playthrough of it. I've yet to make another build, but I'm excited to see what direction I can go in. And yeah. I would be on the same boat, dude. I would try out so many different things because I'm just so curious about a lot of the different abilities and factions and organizations and people in the game. It really seems like there's a lot of approaches to playing yeah. this game. It seems like there's no like real, like, oh, you should try to scavenge as much as possible and then do this. Like, There's no YouTube video like that that tells you, like, walk through like you should do these steps it's more so 
reminds me of Skyrim in the sense that, like, in Skyrim, if you wanted to join the Dark Brotherhood, there were, like, steps that you had to take to, to go about doing mm-hmm. that. And it's the same thing with Starfield. It's very nuanced. You know, you kind of have to read between the lines a bit. And mm-hmm. it's something that, like, I've grown to appreciate with Bethesda. Although I, I have had, like... It's a bit frustrating sometimes when you're trying to do something simple and the game just, like, convolutes it. For example, <laughs> like, there's a quest that I was doing for Ryujin where I had to steal a key card. Mm-hmm. And it was just really glitchy because I, I couldn't steal it. But then I figured out after you told me that... I just needed my pickpocket ability. And because I didn't have that, I wasn't able to complete that quest and I ended up, you know, being violent and killing the guy. Yeah, yeah. It's honestly, I will say that is one of my like biggest gripes with the game. At the early stages where I'm still at, like it's like I want to do all these things and I know that you can do it, but it's like, oh my gosh, like I got to get the skill point for it. Exactly. Like... I recently was exploring and I came across this settlement and I really needed Digipix and they had the storefront, but they were not selling Digipix at the store. And <laughs> they had Digipix scattered everywhere over the settlement. And I was like, I couldn't take them. Like I did not have the ability to steal. Like I didn't have the, I think it is just steal. Or it's thief. Thief. Yeah. yeah, thief is. I don't think it's the same as pickpocket. Is it? Do you know if it's the same as pickpocket? No, actually, steal is just like if you're walking somewhere, you see something, you can just grab it. Whereas pickpocket yeah. is like you're actually interfacing with someone's inventory. Yeah. Okay. So I, honestly, I, I don't remember. I think you might be right that it might be two separate skill points. But I like had to wait until I leveled up, which happened to be like an hour plus and I was like I'm not gonna go back there to get those digit picks but I was able to like I opened a locker like right after I bought the ability to steal things there was a digit pick there so I was like all right fine like I'll take that as a sign just to like move on yeah but it's like crazy because like I was in a room somewhere and I was like there is nobody in this room like why can't I steal this and it was like you need to have the skill tree. Like, you need to unlock it in the skill tree. Yeah. So, it's very interesting because, like, there's so much, like, especially, I think you're doing, like, a very scientific-focused run, right, where you, like, have the ability to craft and build things. Yeah, I'm a mad scientist, dude. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like Rick from Rick and Morty. (laughs) Always got somebody on me for, for the work that I'm doing. But that's awesome. It's really a fun playthrough, and I do enjoy the research aspect of the game, like just being able to make some serious quality of life improvements by you know spending some time to find you know, the proper materials, and it's really useful. And I'm curious to see how it plays out in like the end game or the later game. I feel like that's when it really can kick in. Once I'm like, I have multiple people that I can rely on and then can kind of like run a couple bases, different planets and stuff. See, I want to see how that plays off. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm really not engaging with that at all. I wonder if that'll change the further I get into it. Yeah. Or I wonder if I'm just going to go down the path that I'm going down. I have some big news. So I'm, I'm playing as a, a bounty hunting botanist. 
and I ran into another bounty hunter because I picked bounty hunter as one of my skills. I had some like unique dialogue options. I'm totally going to like help her out and like do this crazy thing. I guess it's not that crazy, but I'm so into it. I'm like so excited that I got like special dialogue options and like I got, I don't know if it's like a special quest, but like it felt very cool that like I was able to interact with this character differently because I picked the bounty hunter trait. And I unlocked the ability to like pick some bounties. So I'm going to go after some people, man. You better watch out for me. Blake Staghorn, he's coming for you. He sounds like a bounty hunter, dude. (laughs) You're definitely going to be looking for me because I'm out here. I'm doing research on things I really shouldn't be doing, man. Like Roger's going to catch up to me pretty soon, but I've been stealing their company info. Is it like actually like unethical, the research they're having you do? The stuff that they're having me do is highly unethical. Really? And they like to act like it's not. That's interesting. But it's okay, Blake, because I'm also going to steal their trade information. Brandon's got, he's got an end game. He's got a way in and he's got a way out. <laughs> That's so fun. I don't even know who Ryujin is. I haven't encountered them yet. Yeah, they're in the star system. I can't remember what star system or what planet. Damn. Oh, uh, I'm sure I'll run across him. I'm playing as a bounty hunter, but I'm also playing as a botanist. So I guess the character that I'm building is Blake the bounty hunting botanist. <laughs> and I've really been enjoying like scanning the planet. Have you done this at all? Yeah, like scanning the planet for resources, like showing the resources that are in the planet. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you've done this yet, but if you come across these, but they're like when you're on a planet... You can like stumble across or like random encounters kind of, but you, it's just you scanning and I like an event or like a location and they're like related. Some of them were related to like geology. One was related to like a water table on a planet. And I think one was related to like a special kind of plant. So they were all science related. And I went to these places on the planet and I had to like scan it didn't necessarily look procedurally generated. Like it kind of looked like maybe a little bit of like work went into crafting them. Yeah. So, I mean, like you could tell they were distinct from the rest of the planet and they were kind of like these like unique, like fixtures in the environment, like unique to each biome. Yeah. And after I scanned those, I got like a patch on like whenever I pulled up my scanner, it gave me like a patch Right. underneath everything like where there's like normally the question marks can you envision that yeah yeah so like where the question marks are like filled it in with a patch and i thought that was really cool that you like for exploring the planet like whenever you pull up your scanner now you have like this patch so on the planet Gemesis, which is where new atlantis is there's like uh, other places Jemison. Jemison, yeah, Jemison. Yeah. The planet of Jemison, where New Atlantis has, there's like other settlements you can go to on the planet. And because I went to those and like scanned so many things, I like now every time I pull up my scanner, I've got like three patches. And I think that it's just so cool. Like I'm really into that. That is a really cool aspect that I haven't interfaced with and I'm excited to learn more about. And that's kind of like what the, I think the designers intended for this game, like for it to be truly timeless in the sense of even if you pick it up 20 years from now as someone who plays the game fairly you know if someone who plays the game occasionally you'll still probably run into new things and you'll still probably you won't have the same playthrough so you know i think you're absolutely right because i'm still running into new things in skyrim 
So yeah, Skyrim is just one of those games. Like an NPC will follow you from just the randomest places to come up and talk to you about the randomest thing, and <laughs> you learn to appreciate it. You really do. Like that game has legitimately made me laugh. Like just mm-hmm. just sitting there, like what. This is so random, but this, somebody really sat there and designed that for that to happen. And I'm excited mm-hmm. for those moments to happen in Starfield. It definitely has the potential for it. Yeah, there have already been some moments in Starfield where I'm like, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I agree, man. It's cracked me up a couple of times. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's a fun playthrough. If you haven't picked up Starfield already, definitely consider it. We don't want you to like buy a bunch of games and never get to them, but definitely think about starfield if you enjoyed skyrim it's very fun yeah i think it's one of those games where your mileage may vary but you really i think you get out of it what you put in right and i feel like if you are patient with it and you kind of if you bring literally anything into it like i mean i know for me i kind of brought in like i want to be a bounty hunting botanist like i knew that going in and i think for you you were like playing with the character creator and you like gave yourself a face tattoo and then like you pick some skill trees and you're like, okay, I'm actually going to play this as this kind of person. Like, even if you like come into it like that, if you stick to the role playing, I think you can get a lot out of it. You're going to have a great time. It's one of those games that requires you to actually be creative and have an imagination mm-hmm. to really like get what they intended for you to get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that. I, I do appreciate that. Now, I do agree that, you know, there are some bugs that I've already ran into. Oh, really? What's some that you ran into? It's basically, it's a little buggy sometimes when I'm, like, entering a planet and I'm trying to, like, you know how you can pretty much fast travel anywhere? Yeah. I'll fast travel somewhere. I know it was fast traveling in the wrong spot. Um, <laughs> uh, it doesn't happen very often, but that's throw me off a little bit. Oh, my gosh. You know what's, this triggered something. I was thinking about, like, so I have not run into a, very many bugs, but like the game has crashed on me a couple of times, like crashed on me to where it like just shuts off my Steam Deck where it's like, no, you can't play this right now. You're doing too much. I was on a stream and I was talking shit about the Nat, which is like, oh my God, it says on it where it's like new. I think it's new Atlantis transportation. Yeah. I think is what it is. I was like, at least it's better than like the Metro. And <laughs> I was just like, fuck the MTA or something like that. And like the game didn't like that. And I was like, you know, I haven't really like ran into too many bugs. And I was like, you know, the Nat's pretty buggy though. Cause like the Nat is a bug. Like, yeah. and then it my game like 30 seconds later, it just, just like it just died. That's the whole so thing. It was like, you can't, <laughs> you can't make that kind of bad joke about. Yeah. You can't make bugs those kind of nats. jokes and expect it. I know. Starfield. I know. <laughs> <laughs> My Steam Deck heard it and was like, no, that was too much. Yeah, your Steam Deck is like, nope, not tonight. Take a a break. 30 minutes and then you can try it yet. Oh, that's (laughs) so funny. Yeah, that's hilarious, dude. Shout out to Blake's Steam Deck for (laughs) holding it down. Blake is really putting that thing on full throttle. He's pushing it beyond full throttle, but it's it's still staying strong. So I really am. It's actually, it's funny, man, because really, I feel like I have to play it on the Steam Deck. Because yeah. one, I feel like that was like part of the justification when I bought the Steam Deck. I was like, it's going to run Starfield. Yeah. It does run Starfield. Like, I can play it. And I think that's a blessing in and of itself. 
But it's really kind of like having Starfield, like a game that's really pushing the limits of it. It's kind of made me learn quite a bit about it. So the Steam Deck, if you didn't know, runs on Linux, which is an operating system. Starfield runs on Windows. That's the operating system you need to run it on. Because Microsoft owns it or whatever. Correct. So Valve, the creators of the Steam Deck, they made like an interface, like a front face, or I guess like a UI for... Actually, it is its own operating system for, it's for the Steam Deck. Of, it's, it's like an emulator for Linux. Kind of, yes. Yeah, so it's called SteamOS in an order. And like SteamOS uses Proton and Proton emulates Windows. Yeah. So throughout this process, I was using like I didn't have like I was not on a beta software for the Steam Deck. I had picked like the stable performance. I want to like get only the updates that Valve puts out that are considered stable and I had like a stable version of Proton. And now I'm running like experimental Proton, like I'm on the beta OS. And it's actually really interesting because like there's, there's a part of me that's like, my crashes could be tied to that. You know what I mean? Like I could have absolutely nothing to do with like the Steam Deck or Starfield, but it's really interesting because I was able to actually get more performance out of it. Yeah, I think, I, your crashes, I think your crashes are tied to that. Because mm-hmm. anytime that you tried to, you're running two operating systems, essentially. And then on top of that, you're running a game and then streaming it. You're stre- yeah, streaming on, it to the internet. You, yeah. you just don't have the RAM to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I'm very committed to playing this on stream. And I'm having so much fun playing it on stream. I'm actually really surprised how much fun I'm having. So please check it out on our YouTube It's actually, I cannot believe how much fun I've been having. So I'm very much committing to playing it at least till credits that way. But I know, I just know that if I play it in handheld, like one, I like to play things in handheld and two, it's going to perform better. So there's a part of me that's like, I'm like playing it at like a lesser version of what I could be playing, but I'm like truly just having so much fun. And I had a friend that said, hey, happiness is, or oh my gosh, there's a quote and my friend like told me it recently and I was like, oh, that's like a great, a great thing to think about when you're streaming. It's, Happiness is only experience when you share things or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's like a famous quote like that. I think it's like happiness is only experience when, oh geez, I don't even know. I'm fumbling the quote here, but it's basically like if you share something with somebody like it, it can make the experience better. It's kind of what the quote is. Yeah, that makes me think of a quote by Beethoven. Shoutouts to Beethoven, one of the greatest composers ever. You know that quote was? He said, our goal in life is to approach divinity and then disseminate that out into the rest of humanity. Essentially share that. So he was saying, gain knowledge, right? Seek knowledge and share it with people. Because what good is obtaining anything in this life if you know, it's, you're just going to die. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sharing it with others is how we experience. We're social beings. Well, the quote, I found the quote, it's much less sophisticated than that. And it's happiness is only real when shared. So (laughs) it's simple. It is very simple, but I cannot believe how much fun I'm having streaming it and just like sharing my experience. Like it's been really fun. So if you want to see me go out of my way to steal every succulent and then throw it on the floor of my ship, or I'm trying to like do some bounties. If you want to see me do that, you can check it out on stream. I'd love to have you. 
Oh my gosh, I gotta tell you, this last time when I was on Mars, I like ran into this kid in a hallway, right? And they were like, hey, Mars sucks. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I just thought it was so funny because they were like so sad. And you could tell like, yeah, my mom's really sad. She hasn't really been the same since my dad passed or something like that. I was like, oh shit, kid. <laughs> You've got some troubles, but they were just like, Hey, will you go up and put these like posters that I created up? Cause I did this like a while ago and people really liked it. It brought some joy. So like, would you mind doing that? I was like, sure kid, I'll throw these posters up over this base. And it was like a frog and it was basically like, a, they called it the moon frog. And it was funny because there was like a frog and it had like a space helmet and they were just like on a comet. And it was really funny. And there was like a bunch of them. You had to put like five of them up over the base. And they basically it came back and they were like, hey, thanks so much. Like maybe they'll get a, their own comic someday. <laughs> and that was really fun. I enjoyed that. That's that was like, like a, a little fun, side quest. A fun side quest. Yeah. yeah, there's little things like that in Starfield that are just like feel good moments. And it just shows you that there was some attention to detail. Oh my gosh, Brandon. I just remembered this crazy thing that happened when I was doing that mission. I was about to put up the last poster, right? And I like walk into this room on this, it's like this mining facility, right? And it looks like an AA meeting. Like there's a bunch of like adults in chairs. There's like one person, they're like facilitating the meeting, right? Yeah. And there's like an open chair and I like go to sit down. And then this guy, like he just starts, he just starts talking and he's like, I still think about him sometimes. And then I'm like, what? And he's like, I just killed him. I was in a tough space pace in my life. Like, I know, like, I've changed. Like, I served my time. Like, I served my sentence. And, like, I'm, I'm a reformed man. And, like, now I'm actually benefiting society by holding the job down in this mind. But, like, I still think about him. Like, I, I killed him. I killed him for money. And he's, like, clearly going through it. And he's just, like, and all these people are just, like, nodding along. And they're, like, yeah, man. And he kind of like goes on in the story and he's like, I was a bounty hunter and I'm sitting there like, I cannot wait to kill some people for money. That's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> but he's like having this truly like emotional talk. He's repenting. For his yeah, I know. I, know. Like, I can't wait to get out there. <laughs> and my body count. Damn. That's, that's interesting that the game puts you in that situation. But it's crazy, Brandon, because like the other people in the meeting, they were like, reacting to it as yeah. they would and like if you were really put in that situation and the person like facilitating like responded to them and she's like hey you're allowed to be proud of the progress that you've shown the past is the past you can't change it like focus on the future and it was like actually kind of heartfelt just to kind of see these like people struggling in starfield and they all kind of like got up and left and i just like stayed sitting there for a moment and i just couldn't believe it yeah it is one of those nice moments where like the game scratches that wall of mm -hmm. like reality in a sense it's very, it felt, probably felt, felt very like real. you can see the imprint of humanity and the people that made it yeah in the game for sure now i guess we've got a lot of other things to talk about so i guess before we move on from starfield i want to ask you this one thing what do you feel like the vibe of it is do you think that the game's trying to like have a message like do you think it's trying to say anything at the point where you're at in it? At the point where I'm at in it, no. But as far as like what I think the game was trying to do, I think the game just so happens to be in space. But mm -hmm. they're trying to tell a story. 
And the story, I'm not quite sure what it is yet. But it's definitely a commentary of our world and where we can end up. Because it's only, what, it's set in the year 2400? I think it's 2332, I think, is when it yeah. when the game starts. And you can actually, like, spend time learning on the lore. Like, they're pretty sure there's, like, a museum and stuff in one of the planets or whatever. That's some research I was doing on YouTube. There's definitely a deeper connotation to the game. I don't quite know what it is yet, and I think that's drawing me back to the game mainly is figuring out that kind of motif and just seeing what it is because i know it's there it's just a matter of figuring it out yeah they're definitely trying to do something and you know brandon i keep running up against that where i don't know if it is actually like intentional commentary and there's parts that so i guess to give you an example vasco if you kind of talk to him like, you can ask him, like, what his favorite sci-fi is or something like that. Or or I guess I don't quite remember. Maybe you're asking him about Barrett. But basically, he kind of, like, has a comment to say about fantasy and, like, science fiction. And he said it's very interesting. Actually, I think you're asking him, like, what his favorite music is or something. And he's like, I don't actually consume media, but I have, like, read a bunch of books. My data log has access to over, like, two million titles or something crazy like that. And he said... I find the sci-fi very fascinating because it's, he kind of says like, it's funny how you can see all the ways that humanity could have messed it up or messed up their transition to the stars. And he said, in a lot of fiction, you messed it up more spectacularly than you did in reality. And I think that that's interesting because it's like, I mean, this is a work of science fiction. And I don't know if we're supposed to say hell yeah, this game is great. This is what I want the future to be. Because I think in some ways the game is trying to tell us that. But then in some ways I'm like, this world sucks. Earth is dead. That's not a world that I want to be in. Like I don't want to be in a place where Earth's dead. That was one of the first things I noticed. Yeah. And it's like, there is so much violence. I mean, truly like so much violence. I think it's just so, I mean, obviously it's a video game and it's a commercial product. And of course, like the first person genre is, you know, very profitable and everybody wants to make a first person shooter because it's a very easy way to probably make a lot of sales. And it's a very popular genre. It's arguably the most popular genre of video game. So in many ways, it's a very safe bet to make it a first person shooter. Yeah. But I don't feel like the game is saying anything about it. Because I see what you're saying. It's not making like they're not making an active effort. Like even Vasco, that conversation, you just so happen to like run across that. It's not like they were designing that in any sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it may have been in the like the promotional material, like that forty five minute trailer. I think there was one dev somewhere in it and I think he said something along the lines of like leave it to humans to fight over infinite space. And I think that that's really interesting where it's like, there is so much space, like there's so much to explore in this game. We have hardly touched it. And like the people in the game are just not exploring. And I think that's one of the things that they're really like hounding on in Constellation is like, why is nobody exploring? Like we're the only ones left. And I don't know what it's trying to say about any of that. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's not trying to say anything about that at all. It's just kind of like doing that. But at least you can like for yourself, you can kind of reflect on it and make an observation. I think it gives you a lot of room for that. Kind of it's a good simulation to give you some ideas to reflect on humanity. And, you know, something that you said really resonated with me is like when Vasco said, leave it to humanity or not, not that he said. Like, all your sci-fi depictions show you guys, like, spectacularly messing it up. Does that mean that he was trying to insinuate that in sci-fi depictions we glamorize ourselves and, the like, our abilities to do things? Or is he showing, mm. is he rather pointing out that, like, I'm losing my train of thought here. But you get what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, I do know what you're trying to say. Is he trying to say that, like, are all is like is he trying to make a, a comment on the sci-fi of the times and like how just about everything is like you know from some of the first sci-fi is the war of the worlds and it was about a martian invasion and how humanity came together to annihilate the martians and like the way that that story ends is you know the complete and other genocide of all of the martians and it's like there's just so many horrific acts of violence yeah are we are we glamorizing that in our sci-fi or fantasy for that matter. I mean, Skyrim is full of violence and, you know, I mean, how you get to be part of the brother, the, the, or dark, brotherhood. the dark brotherhood, you have to assassinate somebody, right? Yeah. Isn't that? And you have to meet with like a little boy and do a dark ritual. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Really <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's twisted. But even that's a commentary on, on our world, the world we live in. Yeah. And it's very interesting, but I, what keeps coming back to my, train or like frame of mind right now is just humans and our natural kind of inclination towards violence you know we're, we're very violent species and that's violence has allowed us to get this far but it's also i don't know we have an interesting relationship with it as a species and i think when you look at like from a business perspective and like selling things to a massive competition of it all the competition and selling things to a massive group of people like when you're looking at the ma i see this a lot with data it's like you just got to stick to the mean like what is the average and then mm -hmm. you feed that and it seems like that's what the average is in this world that we live in is just like me in a first person situation with my gun and like that's kind of mm -hmm. what speaks to the masses in a sense yeah i think it's really interesting about like i just feel like the average person doesn't think of you know violence in these ways so i i don't know yeah, it's just something I to keep in mind but also i guess one more thought on this is i feel like maybe because i guess because of this conversation because we're bumping up against it maybe we should check out the game death stranding have you heard about Death Stranding? I have heard of Death Stranding. It's gotten some really good reviews. Yeah, so I guess one of the design principles, one of the design ethos of it is that as humans... So I have not played the game. I do own it, but I haven't had a chance to check it out. I became interested in it after learning about these design principles. And when he went about designing it, one of his like design principles was like, as humans, some of the first tools that we made were a rope and a stick. I guess it's theorized that the two first tools that humans are like, what could be seen as humans made? And it was the stick to protect ourselves, you know, from adverse in environment. And the rope was to protect the things that we love. 
So like, therefore you carry, you know, when we were nomads, we would carry, you know, our objects and our possessions and, and the stick is to defend yourself. And I think that that game is trying to say something meaningful about instead of choosing the stick, choosing the rope and how they're equal and opposites. And it's the choices that we make lead us to either picking the rope or the stick. You either protect the things or carry the things that you love or fight the things you don't love. Yeah. And I think that that is interesting. I think maybe we should check that game out just because of how we're bumping up against this. I agree. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth checking out Death Stranding. Yeah. I guess really quick, before we (laughs) move on from Starfield, I just want to say I think it's sick that the skill tree, it's like patches. And as somebody that, that was a Boy Scout, I just love the patches. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really cool concept that they came up with there. Like picking, it reminds me kind of like the badges in Pokemon. You gotta like shine them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like BDSP. When you have to shine your, with the DS stylus. Yeah. You know, funny enough, Brandon, I'm actually going to bring up the DS a little bit later. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same way like today. Oh my gosh, that actually, that just triggered my brain for when we were talking about Vasco. Is he having a commentary on the sci-fi of the day? Or is he having a commentary on Starfield itself? So I don't know. Honestly, I'm confused by what they're trying to say. So I am i didn't know if you had found anything definitive. So I guess we'll just have to play more and find yeah, out. Yeah, we'll have to play more to find out. But in that specific instance, if I had to pick, I feel like Vasco is saying something... I would say about like the sci-fi of the time, not Starfield, because Vosco and her- like whoever programmed Vosco's, all of these like options, whoever wrote that, understood mm. that the player is the one that's going to interface with that, and so mm-hmm. it would be more satisfying. I feel like from a writer's angle, or more fruitful for the player, to kind of draw that connection from their reality from the world that they know to starfield especially like with a character like vasco so that they can form that relationship and then go back to him for those moments because that's kind of like the role he plays i feel like in the sense of like connecting you as a player in this world that you're just like what is going on around me to it and figuring it out you know what i mean so shout out to vasco man I love Vasco. He's honestly probably my favorite character right now. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. awesome. I haven't All interfaced right. with him nearly as much as you have, but I, I, I should. All right, we got to move on. I honestly, I just thought of something else I wanted to say about Starfield, but we got to move on. Bro. <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> let's keep it pushing. Uh, dude, why don't you talk about one of your games today? Cool, cool. I've been playing a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> That game has I'm been... I'm sorry. <laughs> Every time I say it, man, just... <laughs> what is so that just funny got, about just that pulled title? Me out of it. <laughs> uh, it's, is um, this a new game? Yeah, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a new game. It was made by the same people who made Friday the 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Also okay. another game that I enjoy playing. And it's one of those like multiplayer games that's just like... You can jump in any lobby and just have a great time. You play either as a family member, so, you know, there's a grandpa who's, like, a wicked killer, and all his family members, you know, picked up his ways, and they're all killers, too, and... Oh, my gosh. They're set on this farm. This family's taking care of their grandpa who's sick. They feed him blood to keep him alive. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so there's victims who get lost here in this farm and they, they're trying to escape, right? They get lost and they're kind of like hung in the basement. And so oh, every match starts with like them breaking out of the all of them the like hook. shaking the chains yeah like, they, oh they gosh, get off the hook scary. and then you have to like sneak out of the basement using the tools around you and interfacing with the world and just you know so is it kind of like you're like one of 10 people and you're just trying to survive yeah like you're up against like this one crazy right so person? it's you and four other victims against three family members Jeez. and every time the family members feed grandpa blood if they feed grandpa enough blood there's four ticks there was three ticks. The first one, it's like a pulse every minute. They'll pulse and it'll show you where everyone's at. The second one becomes even more clearer. And the third one is like a flat out UAV. And you know exactly where all of the victims are. Oh my and gosh, so that's, that's crazy. That incentivizes the family members to feed grandpa blood. And then the victims are incentivized to get out before grandpa is fed. Because then it becomes easier to be spotted. And it's a really fun game. It's great to get on with get, with friends like I catch myself in moments literally screaming like no no like don't catch me because like I'll <laughs> like I'll get you know there'll be the chainsaw guy he'll whack me with the chainsaw and I'm over here like running away scurrying through walls and climbing under things and hiding and you know being chased down it's really exciting it brings out like that human kind of feeling of Oh shit! I'm being chased. Like I need to escape from my life. Kind of. Brandon's kind like, of "Give me the fight or flight, man. I need yeah, the thrills." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly exactly what it feels like. Oh. And you can fight if you want to. You know, there are bones you can pick up and like use to defend yourself. Like there's all sorts of tactics depending on the different victim mm-hmm. that you've picked. Different families. Is it kind of like classes? Abilities. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So it's really fun. Do you prefer way. to be the victim or? Or do you so prefer to be like- first when I started, I was having a lot of fun with the family members. It's really <laughs> fun to hunt people down. But I did find that that was the easier route. And so mm-hmm. my friend and I, Matt, who I play it with mainly, we kind of switched it recently. We've been the victims. We've been having a lot more fun being victims and just like <laughs> being chased and mm-hmm. talking crap like, oh, you got caught right away. And then, like, we'll. I mean, like, it's fun to be the underdog. You no, know, for sure. And then, like, we'll find each other while we're in the basement and we'll, like, screw the other person up so they get caught. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great time. It definitely takes me back to, like, the early days of gaming where I could just get on a game and just have fun no matter what game it was. And I think when I was younger, you know, obviously when you're younger, it's easier to make fun of what you have exactly everything's going to satisfy your your young brain but this game truly is like when i bought it the guy who owns because i usually i go to mom and pop shop game store communications shout out to them and when i bought it the guy he like never says a word this guy i've shopped at this business my whole life blake this guy never (laughs) says a word to me (laughs) or at point blank period like unless he has to he's not speaking oh that's funny when i purchased this he's like this is a fun game you're gonna like it <laughs> he just says like ah. quickly i'm kind of surprised i'm like wow like and then i, I kind of talked to him I'm like yeah i'm actually looking forward to streaming it like i'm really excited to play it he didn't reply at all to what i said he just told me that yes yeah, you're really gonna like this this is a fun game <laughs> and he was right i'm like still to this day i'm glad i bought the disc because it's not taking up t- uh, space in my hard drive i'm just getting oh that's awesome game play a quick match are you streaming it 
I do. I try to stream it sometimes. So tune in. Oh, that's awesome. Sticky Munchkin on Twitch. That's going to be linked in our description as well. Yeah, so it's, it's it a there. really fun stream, especially when I'm playing with friends. Game chat gets really competitive. People love talking crap. Like, oh, I'm going I'm to catch you. Or like, oh, I caught you there. Like, it's fun. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, definitely. And it's great for October. Like it's that Yeah, it's a great year. spooky season game. You picked it up at just the right time. Yeah that time of the year oh that's awesome i need to get a spooky game dude you should get texas because i know we would have a really fun time streaming that you should see if carter wants to get it i feel like he carter would have a good time <laughs> on texas for sure. i feel like carter, carter would love <laughs> yeah. this one i feel like that'd be right up his alley <laughs> also shout out to carter he's been doing some good things on youtube so check out his he was a guest and our resident vr expert so check out his youtube he's having uh it's popping off tune in tune in Oh, that's awesome, man. I might have to check it out. Honestly, I hadn't heard anything about it until you brought it up. I didn't even know the game came out. Yeah. So it's, it's a recent release. See, I guess I'm not the biggest horror fan, but that sounds just incredibly silly to me. So maybe this is something I would like. Yeah, the concept is fucked, but <laughs> when you're playing it, it's so much fun. You're just you kind of take a step away from that yeah i feel like sometimes i can like just suspend my disbelief and i'm like okay i'm just having fun here like <laughs> yeah. yeah sure they have to drink blood like okay whatever yeah <laughs> um oh that's awesome so t- texas chainsaw massacre all right i'm actually gonna bring up an older game and it's this is gonna be a quick one so we've talked about this on the show before titanfall 2 have you heard anything about this game recently brandon i haven't i see you playing it all the time though well so here's the thing. Actually, dude, I freaking love Titanfall 2. It's one of my favorite games ever. I think we actually talked about it in our pilot episode, episode zero. I mean, it's just the campaign itself is just so fun. And really, you interact with, um, you know, this mech called BT, and he's just hilarious. And I don't know, for me, I love it when non-human characters like reflect humanity. And I just absolutely loved BT as a character. But the multiplayer, I played so much of this when it first came out in college. Like, this was my main game. This was my main multiplayer game. I guess, like, when I was playing this, it was before Fortnite really became popular. And Tenfold, it was, like, my main game. Like, I prestiged in it so much. Or I prestiged in it so many times, and I just loved the game so much. But, you know, as the years have gone on, you know, people have hacked it. And it's just people have dropped off for one reason or another. And the multiplayer kind of died. And it was really sad to me just to kind of see that go. And recently I tried to like get into a couple matches and they just like, I just couldn't get in. Like I waited for like 20 minutes, but nobody was playing. And it was just really sad. And I kind of like accepted it as like the death of the game, like the death of the multiplayer. Like I was like, this is over. And it was really sad for me. And recently they did an update out of nowhere and they like, patch some exploits so people can't cheat as easily and i think kutaku did an article about like how it's like maybe speculating a third game which i don't know if they're ever gonna do i'm not getting my hopes up personally because there actually was just reports earlier this year about how they canceled it wasn't development and they canceled it so i'm i'm not holding my breath for titanfall 3 but there's been a huge resurgence and like i can just get on and get on a match right now and like there are so many new players and old players that are just joining back in 
And it has like totally brought this game back to life. And it has just brought me like so much happiness. That's why I see you on Timefall 2 all the time. <laughs> There's been a huge resurgence and you can get into a match now and you can play the game again, which is just amazing. That's awesome. That must be like a great feeling for you as someone who really loves the game and would probably still play it even if you couldn't get in a match. So yeah, that's awesome. And I have. There's been a couple of times where I was like, I would just love to play this game again. And I tried to get into a multiplayer match and couldn't and just... I was like, all right, I guess I'll just play like a mission select from the campaign. And then that would scratch the itch. But there was like the back of my brain was like, I wish I could just play the multiplayer again. Because, I mean, it's just so awesome when you're like in multiplayer, you pull off some like crazy moves where you like get like a double kill and then you can call your Titan in. You call the Titan in. You absolutely mess up some guy's mech because they didn't see you there. And then you can like... I actually like when I played originally, I played as like a different class of mech and like I'm... I'm doing um, like the sniper mech is the class that I'm going right like yeah. doing right now and the sniper has like a jetpack so like I'm the only mech that can fly on the battlefield so it's kind of like your gun's really powerful but it shoots slow and you're very exposed but like your gun does a lot of damage comparatively so if you like come up to a, a mech it's called like doomed if the titan is doomed it's kind of what it is so basically if you run out of health you have like a small health bar and then once that small health bar is depleted, you blow up and you die. Mm. But when you're in that like small health bar phase, you can choose to blow up your Titan and eject yourself and you can like damage people around you. So anyway, so if you're in your mech, if you're in your Titan and you melee another Titan that's in that doomed state, you get locked into like an assassination animation. And the one for the sniper mech is so cool. Because basically you kind of like whack them with your long barrel of your gun. You like whack them across the head and then you kind of do like a spin. Like your jetpack ignites and your like legs spin around and you like knock them off your feet. And then you kind of like lift yourself off the ground. Put the sniper right to like the mech's face and like pull the trigger. I actually I recorded myself doing it and it was just like so awesome. <laughs> That's a, yeah, that sounds like a really sick animation. Timefall 3 hopefully comes out so I can get back into Timefall. I, I enjoyed the first Timefall. The multiplayer is really fun. It'd be, mm -hmm. it'd be cool to get back into that, dude. I have a question, though. Do you see Warfare heading in that direction? Like, mechs? I don't know. I freaking love, like, mech anime and mech manga. Like, I've really gotten into it since Titanfall. Like, I... Like, I watched Voltron and... G Gundam. Have you seen G Gundam? I haven't seen Chi Gundam, but I'm reading, like, Neon Genesis Evangelion. I'm reading that manga right now, which I, I'm pretty sure that's a... Yeah, it's a mecha. It's weird because it's, like, the beginning of Gundam, right? Yeah. And the first parts of the manga are not really about mecha, but it's interesting. I also watched, like, Iron-Blooded Orphans, which is on Netflix. Or maybe it's on Hulu, yeah. I think it's on Netflix. If you haven't seen Iron-Blooded Orphans, I feel like you'd really fuck with that, Brandon. And I think that's a good place to start for anybody if you're trying to get into Gundam. I don't know if Warfare is going in that direction, but I think it's cool. I think it's sick as hell. So. <laughs> yeah, I, feel, I just think of like a bunch of Iron Mans just fighting. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is like that. I guess I will say this before we move on. Titanfall 2, it is truly like my favorite first-person shooter like multiplayer game ever if you've ever been curious about it now's your chance because you may never get another one so go check it out titanfall 2 all right you want to go over your next game 
Yeah, I'll talk about 2K. I've been playing a lot of the new 2K24 Season 1. How's that been going for you? Some serious changes from last year. Oh, that, really? That I'm appreciating. The defense is a lot better this year. As far as, like, people aren't making 6'6 six, six point guards and being able to, like, do everything. That was kind of an exploit last season, wasn't it? Wasn't there a lot of people that were mm-hmm. just making their my characters that? Yeah, they'll just make, like, a 6'9 point guard and then just, like, be able to rebound, dunk on everybody, shoot. It was kind of overpowered. So they patched But you out. didn't do that, did you? No, I tried. I made a 6'8 guard. <laughs> Which, I mean, he did pretty... I was doing it. I was doing it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> now that I reflect... Listen. Well, 6'9", six, 6'8", six, what's the difference? It's the market, you know? The, whatever the market calls for, that's what we do. And ain't that right, Blake? <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. If you ain't uh, first, you're last. That's what they say. <laughs> so, yeah, this year, I'm actually having more fun with some of my builds. I made kind of like a Kobe build okay a young kobe build and that's probably the best build i've ever made in a 2k oh really really proud of that i've been playing with that a lot and my friends really like playing with that build i have my playmaking perimeter on the mets (laughs) or not the mets the nets jeez that was a 40 and slip man i was thinking about baseball on that build i think i'm i'm on the lakers because it's a kobe build okay okay Gotcha. On the playmaking, you normally play as somebody. Uh, that's on the nets. The yeah, nets. yeah. On the playmaking perimeter creator, I believe I'm on the nets, and that's my point guard, my six three point guard. That's like a dribble demon. He's crossing everybody up left and right. I thoroughly enjoy playing with that my player because I can just get into a lobby and just as soon as I get the ball, I'm not passing it to anyone. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna do dribble moves until I get an open move. And I'm going to take it. And, you know, I do make a lot of enemies, but it has made for some really fun games, like, where mm-hmm. people are just laughing. The fact that, like, I can do what I do with the basketball. And that's honestly what I love doing. Since I played basketball, that's what I love doing the most is just dribbling and trying mm-hmm. to, like, catch a defender. I vividly remember playing basketball with my uncle. And he would get upset because, like, I would cross somebody up and, like, I would beat my defender and then I wouldn't go for the score. I would just try to beat my defender again. <laughs> like, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm doing that again. I'm doing that in the game. And it's you got to really go for the hoop, man. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought it was Kyrie Irving. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And then I made a third build where I have a three and D threat. So that's a small forward. He's, I believe, six foot seven. But he's a bit stockier. He's like 230 pounds. So he really has some strength to him. He's not as easy to bully as my 6'3 guard, who has like absolutely no defensive attributes whatsoever. People shoot right in his face. He'll put his hand up, and people will make a shot in his face because he has no defensive attributes. So I kind of like pissed me off. So I made a defensive build where like I can really lock up on people. And that's mm-hmm. been going pretty well, although I'm having more fun still playing with, you know, Kobe and a Dribble Demon. So, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. That's kind of where I'm at right now at 2K. I've been playing that mainly. It's just one of those games where it's like I can get on at any time and have a good time. And then once I get bored of that, I'll get I'll do a match or two of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
and then <laughs> just switch up the tempo and then scare it back into 2k oh that's awesome that's kind of where i've been at right now that's awesome you've been playing some very competitive games yeah dude that's all dude ever since i've started this football season i don't know if i told you i'm doing mm-hmm. it again for a second season we're actually like a, it's like a touch um football league in person yeah it's rough touch last week i got tackled pretty hard like i'm still really sore from it but it's really fun and it brings up that like competitiveness that i had playing sports as a kid mm-hmm. i've always been doing sports swimming baseball basketball like track you name it i've, I've been competing i didn't know you swam yeah i did and i had to stop it like it was getting ear infections mm. what stroke did you do i did freestyle was my best but backstroke and is it brushstroke or butterfly stroke? Butterfly is the one where you do like the dolphin kick. No, I did like you go like this. I learned how to do that one. Is there a brushstroke? Like, yeah, brushstroke is where you do like the frog. Yes, the brushstroke I'm really good at that one. Yeah, I think that's probably my best. Yeah, brushstroke I'm really good at. Freestyle is my favorite. Like, it's like you can't go wrong with the freestyle. Yeah, I feel like I can't really do the freestyles. I had like a shoulder injury from wrestling and I can't do the freestyle is I have to like really pace myself I can't go all out because I'll throw my shoulder out uh, it's scary dude yeah I also have shoulder issues shoulder shit is like really scary especially in the water yeah because like you do something like that in the water and you're just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like a like magic card man it, right? just... <laughs> yeah I just gotta fucking pop it before you turn into a fucking magic card oh man splash <laughs> just you <laughs> splash over and over jeez <laughs> oh, oh, what's your next game dude okay I've got one game that I'm going to bring up that I'm really excited about it's called Whisker Squadrons actually I'm sorry I think it's Whisker Squadron colon Survivor and this would you mind looking up the art of this game because this is kind of what draw me to it Whisker Squadron, Whisker Squadron, Whisker Squadrons colon Survivors. That's not to be confused with the game Whisker Squadron, which is not out yet. So I guess just really quick, basically you play as cats that are piloting these like really awesome like spaceships, and it's like all about like spaceship combat. Yeah, I can. I'm looking at the art right now. It looks really cool. The oh, art is like incredibly unique. It's really it, awesome. It reminds me a lot of like Tron in a sense, but like also like retro, like eighties arcade gaming kind of. Like yeah, but it also movie. like to me it feels like very anime, kind of like almost maybe like cartoony. Yeah, it definitely gives that vibe too for sure. Because so I guess like really quick on the like the Tron, there's like one map that is like very Tron, and the rest of it is very much not. So I, I guess just to clarify, just because I think it has a very unique style and I think that it's very different from Tron, but on this one map, it is like very much Tron. So anyway, so really quick, Whisker Squadrons as a game is not out yet and it's going to be like a story-based game, like a story-driven narrative game based on the Whisker Squadrons and they had like a successful Kickstarter and that game is slated to come out in 2024. I'm not sure how the Whisker Squadron survivors came about. My personal speculation is that this was going to be a feature in Whisker Squadrons, and then they finished it before they were able to finish the narrative, so they just put it out in early access. I don't know for certain, but that's, that's my speculation. But Whisker Squadron survivors 
is a roguelike shooter where you're kind of like in the trench. Like think the trench from Star Wars. And it's like you're kind of like doing like barrel rolls like around these like barrage of bullets that are coming at you. Like there's these crazy like bug enemies that are coming at you. And it is just like so freaking fun. And I absolutely love it. And like one, the art style I think is great. But then I think that the actual like game itself is just so fun. So really quick, I think it's like a, a Steam exclusive right now. I, I mean, it's probably on itch.io, but I don't it's think it's on, on consoles It seems like a Switch. I'm not sure. Game. It does feel like it'd be great for Switch. So I kind of want to shout out how I played it too. So I think it's kind of unique. I don't actually don't think I've ever talked about this on the show, but I think it's come up on, like, I have some videos of it on our TikTok. So I have this controller. It's called the 8-Bit Do Arcade Stick. Have you seen this, Brandon? You showed me this. It's like um, an accessory. Yeah, it's like a controller, but it's like very similar to a fight stick. Yeah. And it kind of has like a joystick, right? Or like you can map it to be like a D-pad, and then it has all of the face buttons, and it's kind of laid out to the right of it. Actually, I mean, you could just Google it as well. It's called the 8-Bit Do Arcade Stick. So it's kind of like a box, got an arcade stick and some buttons. And you can use it for your Switch. You can pair it to your Xbox if you have one of those. And I paired it to my Steam Deck. So funny enough, I played Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl with it a little bit, which I thought was awesome. And I played some other top-down games with it as well. I played some like Mario games that are on like the Nintendo Switch Online service. Like I played some of those with it. And like I played some of the original Legend of Zelda with this controller as well. So it's you can't play it for everything because like it's like games with a D-pad and face buttons. You can play it with that. But like anything with that requires two joysticks, like you really can't play it with that. So anyways, <laughs> all that to say, I was playing this with the arcade stick and it was just awesome. It's just so fun. Like it's a very arcadey game and just to play it with the arcade stick was just so much fun. So I absolutely recommend doing that. I actually switched over to mouse and keyboard because I was getting a little more serious and I wanted a little bit more precision. So I actually have been playing this game with mouse and keyboard now. But I started off doing it on the arcade stick and it was just like so much fun. I was having such a blast. Um, so really wanted to shout out Whisker Squadron Survivors. Because also, I mean, like it's in early access right now. It's fairly affordable and I haven't seen anybody really talking about it. So I really wanted to highlight it because like I truly have had so much fun with it. So I guess just really quick an example of a really cool run that I had. I was doing a run where I was like shooting these bugs. And also it's like cool that you're playing as like a cat that's like a fighter pilot. They have like some really cool dialogue options. Like they really lean into it. Like it's really fun. And I got like one power up where it was like every time you get a kill, like every 10 kills you get, you get three health back. So I had picked the ship that my health didn't regenerate. So I was like, oh my gosh. So this build did have, like you were very tanky, but like you couldn't regenerate health. So I was like, oh man, I'm screwed. This is a bad idea. I'm not gonna make it very far in this. And I ended up like getting this power up. And then I was like, oh, I've got a chance. So then I was just like being, like, I was being so careful. Like I was absolutely like annihilating people and like my health was just like ticking back up. And it was really awesome because there were some instances where I would get like 20 kills and I got like so overpowered. I was getting like 20 kills in like the span of like 30 seconds. 
but it was just like so crazy. Like so many bullets were coming at me. Like there were so many projectiles. Like I was taking just as much damage. So it was funny because like I knew I was like, my health was kind of like going like back and forth a little bit. Like I was like killing people and getting it and then I'd take some hits and then it was just awesome. I was just having like so much fun and like you're really cued in because there's just like so much going on on screen. So yeah, that's Whisker Squadron Survivors. Definitely check it out if you can. That's awesome that you got to play it with a, a joystick. It definitely seems like that type of arcade vibe that you, you would want Absolutely. To play with something like that. Yeah, next time you come over, I'll have to set it up for you because it's really fun. I did have one more thing that I wanted to talk about today, Brandon, and this is a, a piece of hardware. And I don't know if I brought it up with you on the show, but have you heard of the Playdate? No, I haven't. What is the Playdate? Okay, so I'll show you because I have it right here. You sent me a photo of this, yes. So this is, uh, I guess I'll describe it for the listener here. It's kind of like a yellow Game Boy. It's square pretty much, and it's very small. It very much like fits in the palm of my hand. Like It is this like the size of my palm without the fingers. It's a very small square. Let me see it. Do you kind have of it? like Game Boy, yeah. And what's that crank on the side for? Is it, do you power it? <laughs> That's funny that you say that, yeah. So it's basically, it's like a Game Boy, and it has like a D-pad and two buttons. It's got an A and B, and it has a crank. And the crank, Brandon, is actually, I think it's genius. It's funny because you're, I guess if you're listening, if you're an audio listener, like it truly has like a crank on the side of it. And no, it's not to like power it. It's like, it is a control. Like it's a control. It's like an input, like A or B or like another D-pad. And it is like absolutely crazy how cool this crank is. And it's very funny because like, so I'm, I guess like an example of how the crank works is what the first game that you get, you're kind of like a surfer and you're surfing on the wave, right? So you're kind of like going up and down and up and down and you can't do it with the D-pad. You have to do it with the crank. So like what kind of happens is you kind of get into like a flow or you're kind of like moving like back and forth with the crank and you're moving the surfboard like back and forth on the wave. And it's really like, it's honestly, it's very fun. And there's like a part of me that's like, it's kind of cathartic and like very meditative to do that. But then like the wave behind you starts to like kind of catch up to you and you have to like do tricks to keep that at bay so like yeah it's funny because you'll kind of like pick up speed and then you'll turn the crank so you face like straight upward and then you'll like crank it a few times like you're like reeling in a fish really quick and it'll do like a 360 and you'll do like a 360 a couple times and then if you land it it'll like slow down and it'll be like sick or like epic and it'll be like 360 times three <laughs> and that's kind of like the first game that you get so it, it reminds you of ollie ollie world in, in this sense. yeah <laughs> absolutely and it's just like such a cool little thing so i guess three things about it that make it really unique is it does not have a backlit screen like you cannot play this game in the dark because there's no backlit like it's frontlit so you have to be in an environment where there's light and i did buy a game boy pocket like a year ago and i kind of fixed it up and when i bought it i already had like a backlit screen and I like immediately like put the backlit screen on it. Like our phones are like everything that we interact with is a backlit screen. I guess I'm too young to have experienced a non backlit screen really. And it's very interesting because like you really can't play it in the dark. And like I kind of struggle to play it inside. But like when you're outside, it is so crisp. It's really interesting because like if you're outside, like sometimes you like struggle to see your phone in direct sunlight. You know what I mean? 
but like it's perfect for it. So it's kind of interesting that it's like the screen is the opposite of the phone where like it's meant to be played in direct sunlight. And because of that, like it's meant to be taken out, like it's meant to be used out and about. And like a lot of the games are small games. And I guess the second thing that's really cool about it is obviously the crank, which I'll come back to, but they have, has a Wi-Fi chip in it. So when you buy the play date, one of the selling points of it is that they commissioned a bunch of indie developers to make games for it. And when you get it, you get a season of games. And what that is, is you get 24 games and you get two per week. So I've had this for a week or I just had it for my, I guess my second week. And I just like over Wi-Fi, like I picked it up and there's a notification. I guess I'll show you, Brandon. It says, if you can see it, it says new games available. Oh, that's awesome. And they just like, it just downloaded to this. So is it always a clock when it's not on? It's funny because I've had this thing for two weeks and you can kind of see it, Brandon. That's the battery. I charged it one time and it has, the screen is always on. It's always a clock, which is awesome. I keep it on my desk now on like a stand and it's like a clock and it stayed lit for two weeks or it stayed on for two weeks because it just doesn't need to. It doesn't need power like that. It does. Yeah. Because it doesn't have a backlit. Like it can really run the software, which I think is just, it's really interesting to interact with a piece of technology like this and everything about it is just so creative and like mindfully So this launched a while ago, and I guess it's just some background on the company. You had to pre-order it, and then they had like, it was in the middle of COVID when there were all those supply chain issues, and it was also right in the middle of COVID, so they had all the chip shortages, and basically they had like a whole skew of their production, like the first skew got messed up. Uh, I think I remember you telling me this. And people had ordered them, and then they were like, hey, these arrived from the factory, like the whole shipment. And it's not what we asked for. Like, I'm sorry, we have to delay this. Like, we're not going to ship out a less than product. It's actually, it's very funny because the company that makes it is called Panic. It's called the Panic Playdate. And Panic makes Apple software. That's kind of how they got their names. They also are a publisher of games. They also have a game publishing arm. But they primarily in the past have made money by being an Apple software producer. So this is their first physical product. And the production got really messed up. So... Basically, you have to like pre-order it and you have to wait about six months and, and then you'll get it. So I pre-ordered this in March of this year and I just got it in September. Damn. The product has been out for a long time, even though there's still like, you can't necessarily like buy it today. Like you still have to kind of pre-order it. So in the time since like early 2020, when this game or when this game console came out, they have updated it to where there is now like a storefront on the device. So you can go and like purchase a game from their store and download it right to the device. You can also on itch.io, you can purchase a game and sideload it, which I've actually, there's some free games out there. There's a, a Pac-Man game and that's because it's a an unlicensed Pac-Man port. They can't charge for it. Yeah. They can accept donations for it, but they can't charge for it. So I think I might get that game. And there's another one as well that I'd like to talk about on the show as well. So I, I think I'll do that at a later date. But it's really, honestly, it's very intuitive. And I guess the crank, Brandon, I cannot believe how intuitive the crank is. Like you would think that it wouldn't really fit. But for example, if you go to their, like, it's called catalog, like their storefront. And instead of like holding down to scroll down, 
I go down at my own speed with the crank. So like if I'm cranking and I speed up my cranking speed, it goes down faster. Like it's almost kind of equivalent to like a mouse wheel. Yeah, it's an analog. It's an analog input. And yeah. so like, for example, I guess I'll show you, Brandon, I'm in like a settings, if I can get the light to focus on it. And I'm kind of just moving the crank and it kind of like also functions as like a D-pad where it's like moving up and down the settings. I'm just incredibly impressed with this. I think it's really cool. It's funny that having it in my hands, it really reminds me of the Nintendo DS and like the 3DS. Because in what way? like the crank is a very, I guess, unique feature. It's almost like a gimmick, right? Whereas the DS had like two screens, right? Yeah. And in some ways, I think the DS had the first touchscreen. So it's a different input that can lead to intentionality in the game design. So like, for example, like there are some games on the DS where like you have to interface with the touchpad and the touchpad, you know, it's baked into the game. It's baked into the UI. And there are some games that don't do it very well, but some games do it very well where it's, it's just integrated and into part of it. And I think that for me, at least whenever I'm playing a DS game, like it really speaks to me when that like intentionality is put into the design of it. So the first two games that I got, one was that like wave game where you're kind of like using the crank to cruise. The other one is kind of like a top-down RPG and you're a birder. It's called Casual Birders. And you're kind of going around taking pictures of birds. And you have to use the crank to focus the camera. So you kind of find the bird in the screen and then you like hit the camera button and then you like crank to focus it. And as the bird's moving, you have to like interact with the crank and like use it to focus on the bird and then you like hit a and you take the shot and it's incredible it's incredible how fun that is to like just take pictures of birds in a game or to <laughs> kind of interact with the game in that way and in a way you're not used to a new innovative way absolutely and you know i was looking at kind of the website like the promo they have on their website and there's a game here kranken's time travel adventure that uses this. I just got that one. I haven't opened it yet, but it looks really cool. Just yeah, why don't you describe that one? I'm so excited to try this one. Seeing, it's like a stick figure that's running, but mm -hmm. it's all of the movements match the analog stick or the crank yeah. either. And that looks really, really cool. I haven't played that one, so I guess I'll have to I see they got a couple so it's just season one. Yep, so do you know if you'll be able to play season one games at on season two? Like or do you miss out? Well, so I guess they kind of have said in the public statements that they've had is that if you buy a play date, you get season one and they have announced they're doing a season two. They have not announced if you just get that for owning a play date or if you have to pay for season two, but they announced that they're doing a season two. And I think they've like contacted indie developers and they're commissioning indie games for it. That's really cool. We have never talked about one of their games on the show, but I've read some like articles about some of their games. Maybe you have played them. Have you ever played like the games like Katamari Damacy? No, I haven't, actually. Okay. So the creator of Katamari Damacy is called Kita Takashita. Yeah, I think it's Kita Takashi. <laughs> so Katamari Damacy is, I bought it, but I haven't played it. I guess it's kind of like a game where you, you have like a ball of junk and you kind of just like roll the ball of junk around and you pick things up. I'm not really too sure. I mean, it's a very popular indie game. And he is the person that created A Crank in Time, which is the one where you're the stick figure. You're kind of like a robot and your movements match the crank. 
So I guess he's like a storied indie developer. And... That's amazing. That's going to offer, like, I'm all for these different avenues of just disrupting this industry that's, you know, just filled with corporations that have been doing this for a long time and have gotten really complacent. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely, I mean, there's a lot going on right now with like a bunch of layoffs in the industry that are really sad that I think maybe we don't get into this late in the episode, but it is very heartwarming to see like something that's very unique that has something that has never really been on a, a console before. Like a crank is, you wouldn't necessarily think that the crank is like an analog input, like something like a crank would fit in games. And I didn't necessarily think it would fit until I tried it. And this fits great. And it's kind of like this innovation has stopped. And it's interesting to me. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Brandon. Like, I kind of think about this sometimes. It's like the controllers, they all kind of are the same now. From the Steam Deck to the Switch to the Switch controller, the Switch yeah, Pro controller. the design is very similar. Yeah, and they all have the same inputs. And obviously, like, if you're making a game, you want to be able to sell it to as many people as possible. And having similar control schemes is just good for the industry because something that comes to Switch can come to Xbox and that can come to PlayStation. But some of that innovation, you know, I think is lost. And some of the experimentation and, and trying something new. And... I'm strangely just reminded of the DS, you know, by having this. And I mean, I really love the Switch, but I am kind of sad that it feels like, although it's like very different and at the time it was very unique where like you could have the handheld and then now, then you can put it up to your TV and it just feels like there really wasn't as much as it was like a crazy leap forward at the time. Like now the Switch is very similar in design and concept to you know, what the PlayStation is and what the Xbox is. And I feel like we lost something a little bit when they stopped making the DS. And I feel like that just experimentation is what I've gained by getting this little play date. So I'm very excited to talk more about it and to play some more of the games. Yeah, I'm excited to hear more, especially about season two, more about this season, because you said you you only have access to a couple games a week. So you ought to definitely play some more of that and let us know. It seems very affordable too. It doesn't seem like... It's you know hard to get into, so yeah, it's a hundred and forty-seven dollars, which it is kind of expensive. I mean, if you think about it, it's just like a non-backlit Game Boy. But I mean, when you think like it's a new games, it's got Wi-Fi chips, like you can buy games on it. Like as far as terms of like buying a console, like it is relatively inexpensive. And from what I've seen, the games have been kind of smaller in scope and scale, where it's been more of like pick it up and it's a curiosity and a fun game that you can play for a couple hours instead of like a game you're going to put hundreds of hours into. That's true. So I I definitely am excited to see where this goes and maybe, who knows, maybe this is the future. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that with us on the podcast, Blake. Absolutely, man. Pre-order years now, you might be able to get it by the end of 2024. By the end of 2024. (laughs) I think they say if you order one now, like before you order, they'll tell you when your the projected shipping date is. And mine was fall of like when I ordered it in March, it said fall of 2023 and I got it in September, early September. So yeah, that's not crazy. That's not bad. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to end it up, man. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. We talked 
though, about a lot of topics. You covered a lot of good games. This feels like a very old and older Sticky Buttons podcast. <laughs> We're just no, talking for, about so many for games. Sure. And we just kind of just... The DS and Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> we were not bound by convention this episode for sure <laughs> well actually i think we have just a little bit of housekeeping before we log off for today so just wanted to say really quick thank you to everyone for listening and the best way to help us is to share it with a friend but if you'd like to go that extra mile you know you can follow us on social media you could rate the show i don't know if we've ever asked anyone to do that but you could rate the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And we also have a Patreon. We recently redid our Patreon. And Brandon and myself are going to do one extra episode a quarter exclusive to the patrons where we talk about the movies and other things that we've experienced outside of games during the three or four months that are a quarter. Brandon and I recently went and saw Howl's Moving Castle. So we'll probably be talking about yeah. that in uh, the next one of those. That was a lot of fun. That was fun. I gotta be honest, Brandon fell asleep for part of it, so yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to see what that combo looks like because we also like showed up a little bit late. Yeah. Oh man, but a very very interesting film. We haven't really talked about it much, so no, we haven't. Yeah, have you been thinking about it since we watched it? I definitely have, and the art and just the world that was created in that short mm-hmm. amount of time, it leaves a lot to be wanted like i want to see more of that story and experience more of that world yeah i feel like he's really good about that yeah like those studio ghibli films they're great about like giving you enough but leaving you wanting more yeah for sure so if you want to hear us talk more about that (laughs) or about similar topics i've got some i guess i've alluded to it i'm reading the neon genesis evangelion so i guess maybe i'll talk about that'd that. that be really dope to hear about yeah get into some mechs some gundam on the on the podcast yeah. that'd be dope oh, yeah but we also have a minecraft server so if you support us for as little as one dollar a month you can join us on our uh, minecraft server join us it's already some people in the server it seems like some people have been going through it i have the difficulty on normal it's a warning if you join you know you got to uh get set up there's a little bunker by the spawn if you want to grab some things feel free to grab whatever you want yeah thank you for setting that up brandon i've got to be honest i joined the server brandon and i we kind of like i guess set it up before we put it on the patreon and i got absolutely wrecked man i don't know what was happening i think that the like where you spawn in the world that we have there's just a lot of trees which I guess is good. When you're starting a server, you need wood. You need yeah, to have some it's like trees. It's a jungle, like regular kind of forest hybrid. Yeah, and it is incredibly like dense. Right by a beach too. It's like mm-hmm. three different. Like yeah, there's like three different like islands. And yeah, there's like another type of forest right nearby too. I don't know if you noticed. It's like a birch forest. Yeah, it's interesting. Honestly, it's a really unique service. We got very lucky. But anyways, I I was like cutting down a tree and then I heard something behind me. And a creeper like blew up. I got like absolutely wrecked. I, That's their job. I know, but I had already like took some fall damage a couple of minutes before. I lost everything. I was like on the verge of tears. Like me and Aaron, we were having like a chill evening. I was just like chilling, playing some Minecraft, like trying to like relax from like, I think I had like a tough week or something from work. And I was just like, no, I lost everything, everything. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was like, what? I'm like, I've been playing this for like two hours. I just lost it all. It's gone. 
Luckily, I was able to get most of it back, but yeah. honestly, Brandon, it was hellish because I had no idea where I was. I like spawned back and then the sun started going down and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And I just had like a terrible night. I got killed by spiders, got killed by the skeletons. Yeah, that area where the, we spawned that is just, it was mob city. I had to place some torches around that area just so at least at night you can like linger there and be somewhat okay. Oh my gosh. Well... If you join, you'll definitely see the holes of where the creepers almost got me or did get me. No, I filled those in. <laughs> oh, really? I like floating trees. That's one of my pet peeves on Minecraft. Like, anytime there's, like, a floating tree, I'm just mm-hmm. like, why is this happening? I get rid of it. Oh, you got to, like, cut it down? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't make Brandon mad, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I'm tearing down those floating trees, so don't leave them in the server. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i'm really excited i think i'm gonna make like a cottage a cozy cottage somewhere that's my goal yeah i'm looking at a nice beach house right by the spot i'm liking that mm, nice all right well i guess that about wraps it up but if you'd like to support us for as little as one dollar you'll get access to that minecraft server and those bonus episodes as well we have published some other bonus episodes in the past so you can get access to those as well and yeah we're just excited a lot of good things coming for the sticky buttons podcast so congratulations to you on graduating once again brandon we can thank you <laughs> just uh, move forward with the, the podcast <laughs> yes we can uh, we can uh you know, take this a little more seriously not that we haven't been taking it seriously this whole time but just we can hone in a little more just a little more time on it absolutely i just want to say thank you really quick to our listeners i mean not that like anyone's like shitty or anything with us but i just want to say like Earlier in the week, I mean, this episode is going to come out a little bit later, and we were planning on recording a couple of days ago, and like I had a headache, and I was like, I guess I could do it, but like we postponed it, you know, because I had a. So I guess I'm just like very thankful, you know, that we're able to put this out and be a little more casual sometimes, and I guess thanks for always, you know, supporting Brandon through his school endeavors as well. So thank you, thank you for staying with us here at the Sticky Buttons Podcast. The best darn internet radio show there is on video games <laughs> and the games we love. Hell yeah. Got a new intro. I dig it, Brad. I think it needs a little bit of workshopping, but <laughs> honestly, I like it. Internet radio show. I'm yeah. About it. That's what we are, man. Internet radio Hell show. Yeah. It's official. Hell episode yeah. 83. Or 82. <laughs> hey, we'll still be an internet radio show in episode 83. So Ooh, it that's works. true. It works. <laughs> Stay All right. tuned. Well, Thank you so much and have a great one.